Hello listeners and welcome to another episode of my podcast. Um, as you might have noticed, the podcast is taken slightly different direction or rather I am expanding the uh, topics and discussions that are arising in the show. So instead of Max Talks AI, now the podcast is going to be big fan of human race and uh, I think that really suits my personality and that really suits the direction that I want to take this show. So uh, I'm always going to be talking about AI, I'm always going to be talking about technology, but I feel that this could not be discussed in a silo, and I think I'm going to bring you more value by bringing in people from politics, economics, and uh, various other disciplines, and uh, trying to extract uh, value and opinions from them. So, this podcast is now Big Fan of Human Race Podcast. I hope you like this name. Um, I ran this by a few of my friends, and they seem to be really liking it. So, this is the name now. If you don't like it, uh, you don't have to listen, uh, but you will be missing out. So, today's guest is uh, Lasse Rohianen, and he's a best-selling author and international expert on artificial intelligence, disruptive technologies, and digital marketing. Uh, he is Finnish by origin, but he's based in Spain and focuses his work on investigating how companies and society in general can better adapt to and benefit from artificial intelligence. Lars is a TEDx speaker and uh, works with a bunch of top brands such as Michelin and uh, the European Union Intellectual Property Office. In order to get the best flavor of his work, uh, I suggest that you check out his latest book called Artificial Intelligence, 101 Things You Must Know Today About Our Future and it's translated into several other languages as we speak. A good uh, idea is to go to his website, laseruhianen.com, and uh, download a free PDF of the book if you don't have the money or you can't be bothered to wait for it. Uh, it's a nice little book, and it's a good summary of uh, various things that AI brings uh, into our society and the way we do business, commerce, and uh, life in general. In the episode, we talk about privacy, we talk about the future of education, we talk about the potential for automation of jobs and what kids must think about uh, going into the job market. We talk about Finland and a whole bunch of other things. So I really hope you enjoy this conversation and I hope that uh, you pick up something new from it. And also hope that you are excited about the direction that this podcast is taken. Uh, I promise it is going to be an exciting journey and it's going to be massively, massively interesting uh, for me to share these conversations with you. So without further ado, uh, please enjoy the episode. Today I'm joined by Lasse Rohianen. Hi Lasse. Hi Max, and thanks for inviting me here. No problem. I was a bit anxious about pronouncing your surname. Did I did I do a decent job or yeah, did you did, flop it? You did quite a good job. All right, cool. So um, I know that your day's going good so far, your week's going good so far. And I would like to start uh, this interview with a question not about artificial intelligence, but about uh, privacy, because this is what's been on my mind kind of this morning. And I know that you know quite a bit about the subject and you are very opinionated in this area. So if we could kind of have your quick take on uh, privacy and where do you think it's going now on a very macro level? Okay, so that's quite big, big topic. And, and I do think I always think things about comparing like three different areas and that's mm -hmm. Asia, Europe and, and the US. Okay, great. And uh, as we are recording this uh, in Europe, uh, I would say Europe is the continent that most is considering these things and historically Europe has always been kind of like thinking more about let's say the human side of things when it comes to business and, and, mm -hmm. and things like that. And when it comes to privacy, uh, 
Europe is, um, let's say, taking the most uh, critical stand. There's now the new new privacy regulation in the UA, mm -hmm. uh, in the EU. But I would say it's maybe too tough even. But in general, if we if we consider it normally, traditionally, traditionally, um, the way companies in America who are using AI, the way they have been operating, and this is a good example, let's say Facebook and Google, they normally think that let's build something that number one needs to make money for our shareholders because that's their number one goal. Mm -hmm. And then if something happens, let's like try to fix it as we go. Uh, whereas the European companies are thinking like, let's make money to our shareholders, but let's try to think also, is this good for like uh, human beings and consumers and so on. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. a good example of this is that um, when it comes to privacy, I, I think uh, Facebook is a good example. There's a lot of young young people and all, all people of all ages. They are sharing all kinds of photos of their children and everything on Facebook. And, mm -hmm. and basically they didn't know that Facebook is being used and, and leverage, and I would say that private information has been abused, for example, for Brexit election and also for the US, the last US election, mm -hmm. because AI was being used there in, uh, let's say, in the negative way. So um, going back to your question, I think it's, a, it's one of the most difficult uh, questions right now because uh, AI will help us or artificial intelligence will help us to do so many interesting things. But at the same time, we have to consider where is the limit and how we are using AI. But um, but I would suggest that, for example, many big companies, they would consider more how to be proactive, how to see these things before they happen. And I also, uh, as I mentioned uh, many times, uh, for example, good example is Facebook. They, they are never proactive. They're always reactive, meaning mm -hmm. they first think about their shareholders, when something bad happens, like the Cambridge Analytica thing, then they say, oh, we are sorry. And, <laughs> and then they're reactive and say, oh, that will never happen again. And uh, when the when the bad things have already happened. So uh, that's how I see it. Then we have China and Asia. It's really interesting how China and uh, is using AI. They, mm -hmm. are, they will be the AI superpower. And at the same time, we have to think, is it is it good for the Chinese government uh, or is it also good for the Chinese people who live there? So many Chinese people have said to me that, yeah, their life have got better. But at the same time, there's a lot of uh, privacy issues. Like, for example, in the schools, they already use like facial recognition software to see the face, uh, facial expressions of the child as they are learning mm -hmm. in order to make this learning more, more powerful and effective. And then the question comes if somebody will hack those servers where all that information is and and uh, have those that private information shared and abused you know that's that's not really good so so yeah it, it's interesting but i would say maybe europe europe here is like thinking how how we could have good use of ai while at the same time thinking these important things mm -hmm. like privacy mm -hmm. do you think with the that's very interesting by the way the, the three-way split i like it kind of structures thoughts in your mind but i'm just thinking about what you said with the uh, with europe's place in this whole game so so to me just looking at the ai investment right in pure cash terms it seems like looking at the numbers europe is uh, is in no position to compete with us and china period 
really. Maybe in the consumer base, maybe in the market size, but not in the investments in artificial intelligence. It's just not in, in that spot economically. So it almost feels like maybe part of it is historical, maybe part of it is culture, but to me it almost feels like Europe was pushed into some sort of niche where it can actually lead and that turned out to be privacy and, and, and culture. Do you ever have those kind of considerations? Sure, and and that's totally correct what you say there. So so traditionally everything which is like startup funding has been, mm -hmm. you know, uh, US and China has been leading in that. And right now there's like even like you could say there's like an arm race of AI happening between US and China seeing who is better. Obviously, China will be much better because they have like a long term view, whereas US uh, is changing the administration every maybe every four years and so on. But yeah. And but the problem here again is that it's like it's not all about money. So uh, many times in the media also there's like news that, hey, now US is the best in AI because they are spending most money. But money mm -hmm. is not like why we are living here, like it's part of it. Yeah. But we also have to think like how we can use AI in many, many different ways. So, for example, one uh, and, and you are right here, European Union is behind. Mm -hmm. But then again, um, I hope that there will be a lot of uh, innovations. I'm, I, and I'm quite sure there will be a lot of good AI innovations in the EU that can be later exported to different parts of the world. And for example, European Union has set up this kind of council for for good use of AI, uh, mm -hmm. there's a Finnish uh, businessman who is leading that, and and one of the main priorities they are thinking is this uh, ethical use of AI, and I think it's now like important thing because also when I, I I teach in different universities and so on, and when I when I talk with young people, it's interesting. Some of them are really angry of AI, when you would think that they would be excited of AI, but some mm -hmm. of them are really angry and they say, oh, this is again like something that the big companies are kind of like using uh, against us or, or something like that. So mm -hmm. so I can see that there's kind of like a, this kind of backlash also if everything is uh, measured uh, in terms of, of money. But yeah, uh, back to your question, uh, for sure, like US and, uh, and uh, China are leading in this. But my, my suggestion for all big companies is that like in the future, uh, like there should be other measurements, not only money. And um, because then if it's only money, it, it's really fast that AI will be used for some unethical manner. Mm -hmm. on, on this point, you mentioned China and their, you know, amazing really progress in facial recognition. It, it almost seems as, you know, there was this theory with a war-driven innovation. So it's something that starts with kind of an evil and potentially, I mean, arguably negative intent. Like, uh, you know, here we would say that surveillance of your citizens for, you know, purposes such as uh, insurance, compensation and things of that nature is not the best thing to do with the mm -hmm. population, right? And it's, But on the flip side... The, the progress in facial recognition has been quite amazing. And then, you know, other industries with perhaps more positive intent can benefit from that. What, what is your view on sort of this, this process of AI innovation and progress where it also goes, where it kind of goes through, you know, this, uh, this negative intent in the beginning and then that spills over into, you know, more neutral and positive uses? Right. Well, that's, again, a good question. So... It's kind of like um, the, the main thing here is that everybody should be talking about these things. 
and and that means like the normal uh, you know consumers and citizens of every country that's some one of the things I also highlight in in my book because the problem is that in the next election you should be voting politicians who know where AI is right now and how it will affect everything so that because those politicians uh, next year or two years from now will make decisions that will affect uh, countries and if they have no idea of AI then it's not really good situation but it's it's exactly like you said um, for example Amazon has been and maybe I think Google has been selling uh, specifically Amazon has been selling the, the facial recognition software to mm-hmm. US, US Army because the army is always the first one to apply these things and actually it's interesting if we go back uh, I think the internet started thanks to army the US army needed to communicate better and and, and so on so so yeah that's um, like um, how would I say it's a good thing and it's a bad thing then again like you mentioned facial recognition in in China has a lot of good uh, benefits for example tourism is already using it uh, there's many hotels like Marriott hotel in the in China I think it's in Beijing mm-hmm. where they already use facial recognition in checking and um, I would personally use it because I I, I hate waiting in line <laughs> you know many many uh, minutes uh, just because somebody's typing something on the computer when you have facial recognition in a checking process you're just walking and and that's it and the same in the airports it will increase the security and it has many of these positive things but then we go back to what happens when government is like um, has uh, it's kind of like controlling everything so they know where you go uh, where you are intended to go and and if you do something bad if you say something bad against the government then they can like put you off the system so that again is is dangerous and uh, the problem here or the challenge is that that world is coming towards us faster we can that we can like adapt and that's why all the politicians should be should have like basic uh, uh, AI course I would say and that's for example you uh, the UK government has had some kind of good uh, AI sessions that I have seen on YouTube mm. Uh, mm-hmm. Finland which is my home uh, or country where I was born they have for example this thing that every minister in Finland has to do an AI course which is really good but uh, more in- importantly every politician should understand these things because they will make decisions really really soon and um, and those decisions will like uh, define how, how our world will work in in the next few years so so I don't know it's it's quite uh, there's quite many moving parts and mm-hmm. and it's something that should be taking more into consideration got it yeah i, I agree actually with the uk there was a house of lords mm. uh, artificial intelligence committee that's and i actually spoke to a few uh, members of parliament who are members of that committee so it's 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 quite interesting but i think mm. on the flip side they always say that those are there is almost a selection bias in there so the already more techie parliamentarians go into that committee and then the you know the other parts of house of lords and house of commons nothing really changes as much <laughs> there so he was like it's almost as if we create this this bubble now a committee where we actually understand what's going on and then right. the rest of the parliament is kind of oblivious but um, just to dig into last say what you said about waiting in line uh and the fact that you hate waiting by the way in the uk 
uh, I don't think you would you would enjoy the life too much because it's all about <laughs> weight, weight in different settings. But just my question about privacy, because the way I see it and the way kind of every privacy conversation goes for me is that in the end it's a trade-off between time and privacy, right? So that's and it's 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 a similar thing with Amazon with so many other things. It almost seems that we it's just it's a question of where is the is the barrier where is the stopping point of we say okay this trade-off of time for privacy is now going a bit too far but it seems to me that more and more so we are conscious about saving time for whatever reason and we are ready to give up bit by bit our privacy you know to get that one extra minute two extra minutes so that we're ready to accept to the terms and conditions or to scan our face just to have this like tiny tiny time edge do you, do you see that's happening and what are your thoughts on this yes that that's right but again uh, i see it happening but at the, at the same time many uh civil organizations are becoming there's like a backlash so they are becoming to say that that's that's not good and we should ha not have that and and so on um just to give you example one of my friend lives in dubai mm -hmm. and she said that she, her she has two children uh, who are playing in the in the urbanization and 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 <laughs> over there they decided that hey now we need this self-driving car who is like uh, driving here but at the same time in that area there were like kids playing so again that's like mm -hmm. a good thing to think that should we have that new technology in that area and so on and and it was kind of like thing that they were debating is it good or is it bad but but um and at the end of the day they they decided not to have the self-driving car over there uh, with the kids. But yeah, at the end, it's uh, something it's that's coming here quickly. I I would think that one solution would be to use somehow blockchain technology that mm -hmm. uh, would um, I don't know how to say techno uh, technically, but basically it would help to have everybody, for example, in the healthcare system, but in a way where you could not easily uh, hack the system and so on. So so one of the reasons why I like blockchain technology is that everything will be distributed and there's not like one database that somebody can hack and, and then, you know, do bad things. But but uh, when it's a distributed database, it's, it's better. So I think many of the things we will need in the future, like health care and education and all kinds of records of citizens would work in uh, in blockchain and, and with AI, like combination of blockchain and AI. But at the same time, I have to say that it's, it's difficult technology to develop. There's a lot of companies working mm -hmm. on it and it will still take probably like a few years until we have it. But but yeah, that, that's important because in the future, everything will be on cloud, our health records, our financial records, everything. So, um, so you know, we become really vulnerable if somebody will hack those things. And and that's that's why I think uh, blockchain technology could help there. Yeah, that is, that is very true. I was actually looking at some of the cyber attacks statistics and it's absolutely mental. It's, <laughs> I think average large organization, according to IBM, deals with 200,000 cyber attacks a day mm. or cyber threats a day. And uh, the vast, vast majority of cyber attacks, successful or unsuccessful, are never actually discovered. So that that doesn't even go into the statistics. Mm. So yeah, that's 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 pretty crazy. Actually, one one thing I want to talk about, and that's you know that's digressing a bit. 
uh, is uh, Finland. When did you move to Spain, was it? And how is the... Because I think the tech scene is in, in Finland, Estonia is, is, is pretty interesting. I mean, I think Estonia is leading the way in, in the Baltic region. But I keep reading and hearing about Finland doing some amazing reforms uh, in higher education that are related to technology. So if you could kind of talk about that and, and what do you think about what's going on in your home country? Sure, uh, I'm happy to. So, so I moved. Uh, I've been al- also living in in Mexico and Italy, and and I was doing my career in in Finland, and and then I moved to Spain uh, around 15 years ago. Uh-huh. And in the last years, I have been uh, giving um, courses in the university called uh, Hagahelia University about uh-huh. uh, digital marketing and social media. And now also, uh, I also mention to every student that they should study AI as much as they can on their on their free time. But yeah, Finland has always been uh, kind of like a leader in education. And one of the reasons is that uh, they, the public spending or the governmental spending is higher uh, in, in terms of percent, percentage in education than in many other countries and teachers are more valued uh, than in many other countries. And also right now, Finland, I would say when it comes to AI, and its application is doing a good work. I hope they will continue. It's not perfect work. Um, but interestingly, for example, Finnish government has already issued many uh, reports about AI. And, and one of the their, their focus is that, that we should quickly re-educate a lot of the working working people. And I think that's a really positive thing. I think that's the way only way to go, I would say. And um, in the last report, they say that 40% of the working population should be re-educated. So how that would work is that they suggest doing short courses, meaning like three-month to four-month courses about, hey, there's these new skills that you will need in this new AI era so that you will find a new job or, or have better job and so on. And I think that's a really interesting interesting way rather than saying that, hey, you need to go to the traditional university and, and study for four-year career or something like that, which is something most people cannot do because they're so busy with with the ordinary, with their own life. So uh, that's one of the things Finland is doing. But also, um, I would say Finland is uh, yeah working in many, many ways. There's also a lot of innovation when it comes to health and uh, the use of AI in, in healthcare. Uh, you mentioned Estonia. I also mm-hmm. recommend everybody to follow Estonia. I, I think it's really interesting what they are doing in, in many, many uh, levels and, and areas. They have been, for example, having elections on, on blockchain, which is really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much they are applying AI. I think Finland is still like a leader there. But but yeah, uh, kind of like if we go back to that, that um, analogy before between different areas like China and so on. For example, China is uh, will be probably like the number one country to to uh, investigate AI and to, to, to find more uh, amazing new things about AI and new companies and this and that and the other. But then, for example, smaller countries like Finland have a possibility to implement AI in different areas of life and uh, and that's what Finnish government has been has been doing and i hope the next government will will continue that work and also they are highlighting this work that we really need to quickly educate uh, 
people about AI and its possibilities because right now there's a lot of people who the only thing they know about AI is what they have learned from Hollywood movies and <laughs> what you learn from there is that okay. it's always like something bad like Terminator who is killing human beings and 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 we have nothing to do and uh, that's not really good thing so that's why also a lot of people are afraid of AI and um, and are against AI mm -hmm. got it and what about the more conventional higher education reforms with um I, I read I'm not 100% sure but I think it was something along the lines of instead of uh, actually teaching these subjects like maths physics and things of that nature separately what they're gonna be teaching are, are concepts that that combine those yeah right is exactly it, is it... yeah so so one one of the things Finland has always been doing is these experimentations and this is really good today because that's that's what people need for example here in Spain in public universities it's really difficult and it's really really traditional way so in Finland for example in this Hagahelia universities I've been following many teachers and it's really interesting because there's no like how would I say there's no like course that hey there's a there's a cost of logistics and this the cost uh, course about marketing and this is mm -hmm. about this it's more like projects where companies participate and you do like a project for a company and in that project you you combine uh, four different things and so on so it's as as tied to the working life as as it can and you are kind of like mixing of these different things so it's kind of like modules and and so on and I think that's extremely good for students because in the future their working life will be like that it's not you cannot like study only one thing and expect to have amazing future <laughs> but mm -hmm. the more you combine the better and That's then one thing that Finland is also in the universities applying is this thing that there's like several teachers whereas in southern Europe there's uh, traditionally in the traditional universities not in the public universities who are innovating but in the traditional universities there's like one lecturer in front of 100 people and mm -hmm. uh, of students and the main thing is to memorize things what that one lecturer says so obviously this uh, uh, method is something that worked in the 70s or 80s and nowadays yeah. it's not that good so in Finland they have like several teachers for every class or every project which mm -hmm. is also good because then you get feedback from different people and and you learn from different teachers but also lately the main thing has been personalization of the teaching and i think that's also uh quite amazing they they just made a, like a new reform and uh, in like elementary level where they kind of like uh analyze every every student and make hmm. the idea is to make uh every student learn better thanks to this personalization and and um and i was just reading yesterday that uh, somebody made like a study and prediction that 10 years from now thanks to different AI tools we can use like AI tutors who can who can help tremendously in this personalization even saying that in the future there will be not like children will be not like you know like in the first grade or second grade or third grade but mm -hmm. they will be you know organized according to what they learn and what where they are in different subjects and mm -hmm. uh and, and obviously AI tutors will help a lot here. Uh, also, they will help the student, but also they will help the, uh, the teacher. So 
So I think that's interesting. One more thing I wanted to, uh, I was also, mm -hmm. actually, I'm just writing an article about using like teaching robots. So there's a, a company based in Finland and they have this robot called Elisa. Mm -hmm. oh, sorry, I think it's Alias. I, I will find the name and say in a bit. That's fine. I can link it up. Yeah. And, and basically, so what that teaching robot is doing is helping with repetitive things, which normally uh, start to become boring for human teachers. And in this case, it's uh, language learning. So it's really interesting. This robot, you can learn English using this robot and you can say one word badly, you know, like 100 times if you want. It never gets tired. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, and also this, they say that this gives like a safe learning environment for every child, which I think is a big, big thing because normally, you know how it was like traditionally, everybody was reading out loud like English or whatever language. Yeah, yeah. And if you made mistakes, then others were laughing. So so those kind of <laughs> things you will not have in this situation. Plus it uh, that a small robot can also, it can also dance and make some fun. So it also keeps <laughs> like students engage and makes the f learning process fun, which is which is quite important. So that students are kind of like, learning without uh, without noticing it and, and so on. So so yeah, that that's uh, one thing I, I really think uh, can help in this kind of elementary learning where mm -hmm. we would use robots uh, ethically and safely in, in some specific repetitive things. So the the name of the robot is Elias. I can mm -hmm. I can give the link later. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. This is yeah, this is very interesting. I'm quite I have a a, a little sister, so I'm really watching the education space and i'm a lot of the times i'm quite frustrated with how she actually spends those eight hours a day that she's never gonna, gonna mm. get back but um yeah that that's a whole another topic so lasse just wondering about then you know we've talked about uh higher education and then you hint on the importance of uh ai education not only as an enabler of education but actually directly learning about artificial intelligence and learning about technology is this a, and then you mentioned that this is almost a prerequisite, right, to a successful career, right? Mm -hmm. Can you just, I know that you, you, you're quite, you're quite big on the idea of automation and you, you know, you urge and implore people to actually get educated on artificial intelligence, get retrained so that they don't kind of, kind of miss out and, and become worse off in the age of AI based jobs could you just just speak on the sort of on, on the macro level what you think of this sure so like i said before uh problem or the good thing about ai is that it will help many processes to get better cheaper and faster and mm -hmm. it will make many things uh, better in our lives like healthcare and education and so on but the bad thing about ai is that it's coming faster that we can prepare for it and uh and most people don't understand maybe its importance. So uh, for that reason, people are kind of like continuing the things they have been doing always, and they are not like reserving a few hours every week to, to understand what, what's happening like in the next six months or next year, or next three years. Mm -hmm. And for that reason, uh, it's so crucial that educational institutions and, and even governments and regional governments uh, would start promoting and creating education about like how AI will change things. Because let's say, mm -hmm. for example, self-driving cars, I still think it will take like, uh, you know, sometime like seven years that we will re really see them or something like that. But once they come here, 
they will never go back. It's not yeah. like that we could say, hey, let's send the self-driving cars back and let's get the human drivers. No, <laughs> it's like once they come, we can we only can adapt. We cannot do anything mm -hmm. else. Mm -hmm. And for that reason, um, everybody should uh, start understanding how, like I said, like before, not not like how to code AI, but how AI is changing the world. And maybe another example is like uh, supermarkets and stores. There's already where I live in Spain, there's already a lot of like these uh, that you can pay yourself like these machines. And soon enough, thanks to computer vision, there will be, you know, it will be all over the place. So a lot of people who work like a cashier in stores, they will need to find new jobs. And um, and this is, for example, like uh, it's it's coming, like uh, everybody who's cashier, who's listening to this, or you have families or friends, you should already start. Uh, learning new things and thinking what would be an interesting hobby or business or, or or something because you know they are coming really really fast so mm -hmm. for this reason uh the all this is uh like something that that we should all take really really seriously and one good example of this is for example in china uh government has already issued like a textbook for high school uh, i think it's high school or elementary i think it's high school students about uh, AI and how it's changing the future. So in this book uh, that everybody has to read in high mm -hmm. school, uh, they will learn that, hey, this is how facial recognition w works and that's this is how it will change things. So maybe four years from now, these things will work thanks to facial recognition. And this is how self-driving cars will work and this is how automation will work. So this will help Chinese students to, to be more prepared for the future and, and then you know, do many, many great things and innovations and even start new businesses and projects and so on. So so that's a good good example. And uh, if we don't do it, what will happen is that there will be a lot of angry people first because uh, there will be like announcements that, hey, like in three, next three months, you know, we will use machines and we will not need your, your contribution and you will lose your job. Mm -hmm. um, but not only they will lose their livelihood and the the money they are earning every month, but they will also lose like the meaning of life, you know, and yeah. many of their social contacts, which is again something that many Silicon Valley experts never mention. They they only say that hey, it doesn't matter. Like in every technological revolution, you know, there has been innovations, and then people have found new jobs and and so on. But this time it's much bigger, and and it's happening much much faster. And, and I don't see any other uh, solutions than than widespread education in many, many levels to, to these things. Because at the end of the day, I think like AI will, like I said, will help us tremendously. But at the same time, for those people who are not following what's happening in the future, it will be uh, tough, you know, and, 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 um, and if we don't prepare, we will also have a lot of social unrest, like really mm -hmm. big manifestations and and a lot of people you know uh, on the streets and uh you know right now we still have time to to avoid all those things mm -hmm. this is actually this reminds me of what, what i'm not sure if you're familiar with the work of callum chase uh he wrote surviving ai and he's uh, big on economic singularity and talking about the impact of on jobs and he almost said that um it's it's not as much about the long term impacts of, of automation and uh, technological job displacement as similar to, to what you said the short-term outrage 
that can mm. actually follow from sort of the you know the 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 working class yeah is this kind of where where the imminent danger is really exactly exactly and and uh, for example here in spain and in many european countries like politicians i don't know i'm not following that much polit- politics here but for mm-hmm. example in my where i live in spain not many politicians are talking about ai and that's really dangerous <laughs> in finland a lot of are talking ai and they are like talking about these things like privacy and education and so on and so forth but every country politicians should be talking about ai and they should be uh, creating their their plans about how how governments uh, both regional and and the main government will will adapt to this because if not uh, it's not really a uh, good situation what we will have and and this will create a lot of confusion and a lot of like uh, uh, challenges and and a lot of stress that we could avoid if we would just everybody would just learn what will happen in the short term mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then if if we just look the use the example of a cashier that you gave um, right so for example you know you can see what's happening you can see the self checkouts on the rise and then you might think hmm maybe my skills are not going to be as useful you know in 2 3 years and then i have to as you said learn something new or educate yourself in some way to provide other type of value to the society right hmm. and then at the same time you said that it's also for the government to actually implement those trainings so that i'm just wondering you know who's who's actually which who is best placed to conduct those trainings and actually to enable people to switch jobs and switch skill sets because i feel that now there is you know abundance of information and online courses etc online so that you know you know you can say that it's kind of burden on people themselves to actually go out and 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 find things to do but on the other hand it's also government and the employer for example a, you know a big supermarket might want to retrain their workforce to do something else instead of mm. you know you see you see what i mean which 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 institution is is actually best place to uh make the most change in in the positive kind of vector well um obviously like you said nowadays you can learn everything yourself which is a good thing like youtube is full of things and there's so many online courses there's even like so many free online courses mm-hmm. that it's really good but the problem is that not not everybody takes those online courses and not everybody is like have that kind of self motivation that's needed for for self learning so mm-hmm. that's why like the best case scenario would be that that it would be a government however i don't see it happening i i do see it happening in some uh, countries like nordic countries that has been mm-hmm. uh, like finland and sweden and others who have been uh, like always thinking long term and and focusing on education uh because the good thing is when when government does it it will automatically be in, in all kinds of media and everybody will talk about it and everybody will kind of like understand that hey now this is you know important if it's mm-hmm. just a small or not small but even like a company or something then it's like some people take it seriously and others like oh i don't know so so mm-hmm. i it, mm-hmm. interestingly i saw a statistic that said that most european workers for example they they are of the opinion that ai will take a lot of jobs but at the same time they think that it's not like their job that it's taking so in other mm-hmm. words a lot of people are still like thinking that oh, yeah ai is coming and automation and all this but it don't it will not happen in my my area and that's again that's you know dangerous if you have that kind of 
tunnel vision and don't see out of the don't think out of the box and so on but but yeah it's it's complicated thing and and i think there's a big um big opportunity actually there's a this is a big best uh, business opportunity to establish like a company that helps people with this because that kind of companies will be booming uh, three mm-hmm. years from now and five years from now and uh, there's also a lot of work for life coaches and people who can like help you because if you have been truck driver the whole life it's really difficult to all of a sudden uh, be like a graphic designer or something so <laughs> So we need a lot of like life coaches and a lot of people who can help people to do this transition as well. Mm-hmm. Actually, in terms of online courses, just wants to give a quick shout out to Helsinki uh, AI online course, which I found mm-hmm. super. I don't know. Have you have you checked it out? It's free sure. and it's actually very uh, user friendly. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's one one of the examples. And and it was not like a coincidence that it, that was done. Uh, in Finland and in Helsinki University, and and that's something everybody everybody should do. Again, I would say that it, it's really good, but but I would even in that course I would add these more these things of how AI is is changing because, like I said, not everybody will be like a coders of AI, mm-hmm. and um, even I saw an interesting uh, picture uh, where it says like uh, that uh, 30 years from now. A child will go to the museum, and there's a picture of a person who is with his computer, and it says that I'm a coder. So then a child will ask, like his mother, that, "Hey, what's a coder?" You know, because in the future mm-hmm. we don't need coders because AI will program itself. And and already there's different platforms where you don't have to know any program language. You can start, uh, you know, doing AI and programming AI using the platform that's that's uh, mm-hmm. like one thing I, I see really fastly but yeah so that's why we need we need more and more um, things like how every industry everything we do will will change and what are those opportunities and what are the challenges but yeah I also recommend that that course uh, tremendously for everybody mm-hmm. to me also when I when I think about uh, you know technological job displacement and the different kinds of jobs that are potentially going to go away it's almost like the impact i feel is going to differ based on the culture uh in some countries you know so for example it's in like the us and uk um those countries have very competitive cultures kind of everyone has to be hardwired for success financial and otherwise and kind of you know if you for example talking about job transition right and uh, in scandinavian countries they have some amazing policies on you know people that are out of job actually finding a a mm. good job for them so that there is no rush to find the job tomorrow you know you can kind of take your time go to some interviews figure out what the best place for you is and then kind of go there no one's going to judge you for you know the buffer time you took as a transition mm-hmm. and in the end it's going to be more productive for the economy right because you're in a in a better place and your skill set is better suited for that position whereas you know in the UK and US i think maybe in 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 this kind of culture it's going to be even more amplified you know the fact that if you're out of job you are you know kind of you know a, a loser some people would mm-hmm. say and you're not you're not winning you know you're not you're not getting it so mm-hmm. that i think don't you think that you know it's it's almost countries like i think and maybe i'm undereducated in this but countries like finland are almost better suited to 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 actually go through with this transition without any any stress on the economy and kind of society. 
Yeah, exactly. So it's it, that's exactly right. And um, however, I would say that um, I, I, I wish every country would be um, the transition would be easier. But it's exactly mm-hmm. I've been thinking the same thing, because also in Finland, if you don't have a job, it's really easy to find all kinds of like re-education and so on. So there's also more culture of lifelong, lifelong learning, mm-hmm. which is which is extremely important. And um, and in many other uh, cultures and countries, there's not that much. But also here we come to the thing that in the future, there will be like less like companies that will take care of you and so on. So in the US, I was reading that already, I think in two years, over or more or less like half of the population who is working will be freelancers. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that can uh, help us uh, quite a lot. So there's a lot of platforms um, where you can like earn money and 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 those are really in- interesting because they are not asking if you have a university degree or exactly. if you live in New York or Bangladesh or wherever. If you are willing to do something, you can like start helping people to translate things or write articles or to do other things. And in my courses, I, I teach students to do this. And it's really interesting because many of them have uh, kind of like a side hassle and are starting to earn some money while they are looking for their next uh, work and 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 next thing. And so that's why most of us will will be working somehow like distantly. And um, and that's like really big opportunity also in the in the future. We will work like not in the like in a capital network. So there will be different networks that are based in on, on blockchain mm-hmm. and we will like just contribute to them. So I uh, there's this um, there's this saying uh, like that uh, that, you know, blockchain, for example, has smart contracts. Mm-hmm. So what that means is that we don't in the future, we don't need like one entity uh, that would have to give you example like Facebook or whatever that has like a headquarter and, and every, or let's say even uh, one freelancer place that I like is uh, Upwork that I do mm-hmm. recommend to every student. For example, you can go to Upwork, you can create your your profile and you can say that, hey, I'm a translator and I can translate your things. And next day you can already earn some money and have like a side hassle. But in the future, I see that us having uh, dis- distributed uh, organizations that work on these smart contracts and that means that you will just do something if you are good on translating or if you're good on graphic designing you will just do something somebody will ask that hey i need this kind of logo and then uh, somebody say hey i can do the logo and that transaction will be done on blockchain on on smart contract and the benefit of this is that they will not be like middlemen they will not be like some office taking a lot of uh, percentage of that transaction and so on. And uh, this will still take like some years, but I, I think uh, it will be really uh, amazing, especially for younger people who are more you know flexible and they understand how to mm-hmm. start using these kind of platforms. I, I think there will be like platform for for everything. Most of them will work in on blockchain and that's why young people can like contribute to to them and, and learn uh, oh, sorry, earn money from mm-hmm. these different um, different platforms and so on. But my biggest uh, worry is older people who are more than, let's say, more than 50 years old. And if they have not done any any like learning or any any yeah. training lately, 
it's difficult to say to them that hey now you have to do like four month course or something and uh, <laughs> to learn some totally different skill or, or something so so yeah that's that's mm. uh, complicated i think to me in terms of freelancers and just flexible work environments in general i see two so so one clear benefit is that you know for example in a city like london there is only this much land that mm. we actually have around the places where most of the jobs are so yeah one one benefit is you know very for the environment and for the congestion and just for the convenience you know not to waste time on commuting and things of that nature it makes sense to do some sort of teleworking and obviously technology is a big scaler and enabler of this and then on the other side what you mentioned with upwork and uh, another site is fiverr that is that is really useful um is that the emergence of the ranking slash rating system right as as we look you know with uber with airbnb with fiverr with all of those platforms the it's not the degree that has given you credibility it's actually the feedback of the mm. consumers right so it's almost this instant fed- feedback that actually goes goes both ways right you give yeah. feedback to the person that did work for you and then the person that did work for you gives feedback to you as how how were you as a consumer right so i, I think that is that is also very interesting and it's you know the the disappearance of of middleman um is is pretty clear kind of in this in this aspect yeah exactly that that that's right and and in the future there will be different uh, blockchain solutions that will use ai as well for all these companies like airbnb and uber like you said and so on mm-hmm. so therefore uber will not take their fee you know but that goes directly to the person who is who is doing the service or who is doing the the thing so so that's a really really big thing i also want to highlight uh, lately i have been really excited of the work that jeremy rifkin has been uh, doing mm-hmm. i don't know if you're familiar with him but he's uh, like an advisor for for the european union and also advisor now for the chinese government uh, to implement uh, sustainable uh, policies and for example um, all kinds of things to 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 make uh, you know sustainable economy to work so he has a book called zero marginal cost and uh, and also uh, third industrial revolution and so on so everybody can look him up but anyhow he says that we will quickly need to uh, move from fossil fuels to renewable energy and when we do it and the areas he have been helping to do this transition has been creating huge number of works uh, Interestingly, also low-level skills works. So, for example, setting up like a 5G networks and and building and transmission uh, transmission towers and many many things. So that's also one thing to quickly uh, generate a lot of a uh, lot of work. And they're actually doing this in in China, which is also uh, China is so amazing how they are applying so many <laughs> great things. Mm-hmm. Interestingly. So, so anyhow, I, I, I would say that also in renewable energies, uh, there's a huge amount of work for the next 20 years. And, um, and, and uh, at the same time, it's helping to, you know, to save the planet and, and so on. So um, I think that's, that's really important to point out as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely. There is also this book called uh, Switch. It's purely about uh, solar energy. So if anyone's interested um, from the listeners, you can go check it out. Just one thing that I wanted to... Well, one 
topic because as I was, I was as I was looking at your your career and the areas that you're interested in, uh, I saw just kind of not quite a move, but kind of a you have. So you have been working on the social media marketing related stuff, as I understand. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and then now you're very much into artificial intelligence and wrote this book. I'm gonna I'm gonna link all of your books up um, for the listeners to check out. But just wanted to talk about uh, social media and uh, kind of focusing on on Facebook because mm-hmm. I have noticed that I think you can get caught up because you know as I started the podcast as, as I've been doing some more uh, work with on you know improving my online presence that is not the best still but I'm, I'm working on it as I started to understand those those services it's kind of interesting how different layers of population almost view Facebook in a different way so is that for someone for someone like you who's actually who knows how it works who knows what it's for what the business model is Facebook is one thing whereas for the you know the average user Facebook is a is a completely different thing it's just a platform where you share stuff and you don't really you didn't used to really think twice about what you share, how you can be retargeted, and on how are those ads popping mm. up, and, and why. So that it goes back to something that you said very early in the conversation about, uh, you know, users increasingly putting out more stuff online. Mm-hmm. And I was just wondering about uh, terms and conditions as a you know enabler of that, because as soon as you click that you agree. <laughs> potentially now with GDPR it's a bit it's a bit more tacit than that but still in the macro picture it didn't change as much mm. then you basically agree on things happening processing uh, of your data including potentially your personal sensitive data just what do you think about the the average user of social media I mean I'm asking you as an as an expert in this area and it, what do you think about this kind of layering out of understanding of what social media actually is between the average user and someone who also uses it for for their business or their hobby. Yeah, well, that's that's a interesting interesting question. And yeah, so my my background is definitely that I've been for the last ten years uh, helping companies and students to use social media more effectively. And also my interest to AI started when when like following what what Google and Facebook were saying. They they started to like four years ago started to mention like AI and started to say that, yeah, AI is like one of these areas of interest to us. And I was like, whoa, that's interesting. I have to learn more. And yeah, so still, let's say uh, the good thing about, there's a lot of bad things about Facebook uh, and many people know about them. But let's say the good thing about Facebook is that if if I have a new business and I want to establish like a Italian or let's say Finnish restaurants because there's a lot of Italian restaurants in London <laughs> but uh, let's say restaurant uh, with Finnish food yeah, that's, in... a, that's a niche <laughs> exactly in London. yeah so if I would do that in London what I would do is that I can do I can go straight to Facebook and I can use that Facebook data uh, that Facebook has been collecting and I can start uh, open my my business page and I can create like videos and content and I can say that hey this is now if you like Finnish food uh, here's a new place for you and I can even do advertising for those people who on their Facebook uh, feed say that they are Finnish or they like Finnish food and so on so that's like how would I say that's like a good thing that Facebook helps us and I have seen many 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 entrepreneurs and and business people have tremendous uh, success doing this and it's great specifically for smaller business it's it's a really good thing mm-hmm. now 
The bad thing about Facebook is that it has become like a official social network for everybody. And what mm. that means is that specifically many people who don't follow like the latest uh, technology trends, they think that, oh, Facebook is, uh, it's kind of like extension of my social life, meaning that if I get married or if I have, let's say, children, now if I post pictures of my children, I can see like, uh, like maybe 10 or 20 of my friends saying, wow, that's an amazing picture. And, and so it becomes like this thing of people, they have like better feeling when they see these likes and comments and yeah, your child, children is the most, uh, the best looking children in our town. Exactly. So that will give like positive, uh, it's actually a chemical uh, process that happens in our brain. And now when I do that once, I'm thinking, oh, tomorrow I will put another picture. And now, now my, you know, um, even better picture of my children and so on. So mm -hmm. what happens is that Facebook has created this like uh, feedback loop where where uh, the algorithm works in such a way where it always then reminds you that, hey, today you have not uploaded photos and, and so on. So many people think that, oh, only my friends are seeing these photos. But obviously uh, it's not like that if you haven't uh, fixed your privacy settings on Facebook and many people have not. So then everybody can see see it and, and even like, I would say, use those photos, you know, to, to something which is not good. So that's, that's like a one example of, of Facebook that the thing with privacy and, and these things has never been clear. And now even the worst thing has been lately when Facebook has been used as a weapon for political propaganda. And this happened both in Brexit like I said, and in the US election. So the person from Cambridge Analytica that many people have been reading on the news, that was the company that was using big data and AI analytics mm -hmm. to, to, uh, to uh, how would I say, to abuse the, the user data and so on. So one of the workers say that Brexit would have never happened if, if Facebook would have not allowed third party people to to access this data. Mm. So now the, the problem is, for example, Mark Zuckerberg, which, um, well, actually not, let's not talk about him. Let's, let's just say that I, I think he's, he's not the leader that he should be. It's the leader today is thinking about the long term, and the leaders today are proactive, not reactive like he's now. So he has been thinking and the Facebook leadership has been thinking the stock, uh, the shareholder benefits, mm -hmm. the more people are buying the ads on Facebook platform right now, the more money they are making. So it's great. And of course, when, when then people started to say that, hey, it seems that you have been giving access to third party providers and, and so on, they said, first, no, 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 we have been doing nothing. And it, the election results have nothing to do with us and so on. And obviously they had a lot to do with them. So the problem is that there's not like legislation uh, in many countries against these things because they are so new. Mm -hmm. And another problem is that they are not thinking, you know, like what's the benefit for citizens? They're not thinking about that. They are thinking about how to make more money for the shareholders. And then um, like this thing of them giving this access of this data, because whoever has the most data wins in mm -hmm. the future. So now they have a lot of data. And first they gave this access to, to that, this data to, um, to let's say Cambridge Analytica and other uh, companies who were abusing the data. 
And then right now I was reading, now they are giving this data to US banks, for example, and so, yeah. which, which is amazing. They like continue this same kind of thing and so on. So yeah, th this is really sad. That's why also a lot of people or some people have left Facebook. But then again, it's not so easy to leave because now you have all your social contacts there. It's your extension of your social life. And if you don't have those likes and comments to your children's photos, then many people think that, oh, I'm not so good person as, you know, as having these photos. And also, I would say that not many people know, but uh, there's a lot of, uh, actually, there was a study made in UK that said that the more people use social networks, uh, the more lonely and isolated they become. So meaning that, for example, maybe you and me, we also have like hobbies and other things to do, but there are some people who are lonely and then again, Instagram and Facebook will give this feeling in their brain that now they have this feeling of belonging. And um, and what will happen is that then they will not have their other social interactions with other human beings, but they have social interactions online. And all this will, will make them less social in the normal life. And when they are less social in the AI era in the future, they will be more difficult for them to find new job and and so on so right now i think facebook again and and instagram has been started to be reactive and they say hey now now we have these tools that recommend users not to use the platform that much so again it's like now happening when we have already a lot of young people who are who are like addict, addicted and a lot of studies about this and so on so so yeah now it's happening so yeah th those are some of the things that come to my mind when i when i think about facebook Mm -hmm. Very interesting. I think it's 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 almost as if Facebook has become a victim of its own commercial success. What started out as, you mm. know, you know, you can say that it was really connecting people and making a lot of things much easier in a in a very positive way. Mm -hmm. It almost became trapped into this, you know, money money making machine and money making purpose. Which you know, as as a public company, this is what you have to do quarter to quarter or you know you, you just go down mm -hmm. so it's it's almost there is this loop which is difficult to break but i guess it is possible you know Je jeff bezos was talking about uh in his letters to shareholders he was talking about the fact that you know amazon is being run for the long term and then you know we might not have the profit now we might not have everything correct but then in the long term you know we, we're going to be winning and this increasingly so don't you think that with, with a public company increasingly so they have this this advantage of actually being able to go long term, you know, of investors willing to accept, you know, declines and profits as, as long as potentially you grow your user base or there is some sort of other improvements that you make. Isn't it isn't it easier now to plan for longer and to be proactive and to satisfy the shareholders? Right. I think in, in a case of Amazon, it's easier because Amazon has access to so many credit cards and so many people. It's like in the in the future, in the US and in the UK and Spain, wherever they are, they can like sell anything. And when you when you're number one seller in a country, you can like you have unlimited opportunities, whereas mm -hmm. Facebook, the main what they are selling is advertising mm -hmm. and advertising will have its limits, you know, uh, so it's not not. The, the same so that's why i see the mm -hmm. problem for facebook for example one, one thing facebook could do which would be useful they could charge like five euros a month uh, for business pages that have extra tools that help you to get more customers to your business that would be like ethical and interesting and some people would pay that five 
dollars or five euros a month and that would be like one interesting thing i would pay it immediately if i would get like more access and better tools on my facebook business page so mm -hmm. that would be like one one thing but i think in in case of amazon it's easier in case of facebook it's not but at the same time like i said earlier i think blockchain technology will help us in many many ways and for example um when it comes to social network in the future we will have a social network where there's just like smart contracts that will make kind of like everything we don't need a like a, uh, like one entity central entity like facebook that's mm -hmm. extracting like value from us mm -hmm. and and we become like products of facebook we will just have like a, a social network based on blockchain but at, at the same time like i said it's it's uh, still difficult difficult and it's still early days and probably will take like three to five years but i totally see it happening where everybody's information would be safe pub, uh, private information would be safe and everybody would kind of like know what happens because uh, it's like a it's like a code you know it has it's like a code that has been written and nothing mm -hmm. else can happen there but right now in facebook we are totally like you know uh, facebook leadership can do any de decision and then all of a the sudden they say oh we did this decision <laughs> four months ago and now this and that will happen and so on mm -hmm. got it all right Lasse, um last question and i ask every guest of this and i think you're gonna have some interesting things to say and rather a favor to ask from you is to give advice to the listeners who are either graduating from school college or university and are not Okay, either are sure for now what to do with their lives, they know where they want to go, which industry, or they have no idea what to do with their lives. What would you What would you tell them, you know, and also kind of um, in the context of what we've talked about for the past hour or so, what would you tell them, where should they be looking uh, and what considerations they should have in mind as they go out in the world and uh, start their professional careers and, and, and professional growth? Right. So, yeah. Uh, and this is one of my favorite topics. So one thing I would say that be excited of your future. It will probably be much better than you can you can know about it. So one, mm -hmm. the first thing you have to do is to take care of yourself, meaning do some physical exercise. Don't spend too much time uh, in front of screens and also mm -hmm. do something like yoga or meditation or something like that. This that will help you to become a better person or mindfulness yeah. and then become excited of lifelong learning because there's so many ways to learn nowadays uh, using online universities and, and many, many things. And, uh, and also be open to different things that right now might be sounding like crazy ideas, but maybe in three years or five years, they will be the number one thing. And if you become like a follower of those things now, you might have an amazing future. And like I said, um, if you just like follow the future, let's say, and, and follow these new things, uh, AI and blockchain technology will bring amazing opportunities. So maybe that's one thing we didn't mention that much in this interview, but obviously mm -hmm. AI will also create a lot of new jobs. It will create a lot of new innovation and, and those jobs will go and those opportunities and business opportunities will go to those people who are like following the developments of AI. So, so you should be excited of those things. And, and even I would say also be excited of the, of the things of the opportunity of how to help societies to adapt better to AI. So, like I said, if you want to create a, a business that's retraining people to find new job, thanks to AI and automation, that's one of the number one businesses in in next few months uh, next mm -hmm. few years so that 
there will be a lot of work for that and uh, and and then i would say uh do uh make sure that you work on your emotional intelligence and so social intelligence and spend mm -hmm. a lot of time with others and and be try to be like every time better communicator because in the ai era uh those people who have those skills will have more opportunities and and more jobs and so on so yeah those mm -hmm. are some of the things but i i always say that it's like future is much much better than young people can even imagine today mm-hmm Great, beautiful. And um, if the listeners want to go and uh, check out more of your takes on the future and how great it's going to be, what's the best channel? Where would you want them to go? Where should they start looking at your um, content and teachings? Right. So probably my Amazon page is the best. So there you can find uh, uh, the AI book that I, I wrote called Artificial Intelligence, 101 Things You Must Know Today About Our Future. So that will give you a good like starting point of understanding 101 things that AI will change in our lives. And then you can continue from that. So that's probably the one thing you can also connect with me on LinkedIn or on Twitter, I would say. So those are the main things. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Now I'll link up the, the handles in the description. All right, Lasse, thank you very much for this conversation. I really enjoyed it and I, I hope you have a good a good week. Excellent. Thank you so much, Max. Thank you. Goodbye. Hello again, guys. I hope you enjoyed this conversation that I had with Lasse. Um, I certainly had a great time talking to him, and he's obviously very knowledgeable in so many different areas. And um, also, I hope that you're excited for Big Fan of Human Race, which uh, this podcast has now transformed into. In order to check out more of Lasse's work, um, I suggest that you go to his website. That's uh, LasseRohianen.com, and I'm going to spell it out for you. That's L-A-S-S-E-R-O-U-H-I-A-I-N-E-N dot com. Uh, another, as Lasse said, another good place to go would be Lasse's Twitter, and that's uh, LasseWeb20. That's at L-A-S-S-E-W-E-B-20. You can find some links to the stuff that we talked about on the show and to Lasse's social media uh, in the show notes for this episode. Again, thank you very much for listening. Hope you have a great week, a great month, and I'm going to see you again, or rather you will hear me again in due course. Oh, yes, sorry, forgot forgot to say, if you want to check out what I'm up to, as always, it's Max Klemenko on YouTube, Max O. Klemenko on Twitter, Instagram, and all those um, big tech giants. <laughs> Anyways, I'm way too caffeinated for this. All right, love you all. Bye-bye.